listening to 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome back to 90s episode 302, and uh, we're so glad to have you. If you enjoy the show, and you do because you're listening to it, consider going to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and supporting us at the 90s Deluxe level, uh, where we talk about board games. That's right, if you subscribe to 90s Deluxe, you will get access to Garbage Time, which is a bonus episode that we record after each and every main episode. On this week's Garbage Time, we talk about Scrabble, Grizzled, Scout, Psycho Killer, Frosthaven, and the PWHL. But on this, the main episode, the episode you're listening to right now, we talk about the What If Marvel series, Real Life Aliens, America, uh, Zack Snyder as a anti-auteur hero, which of course means we talk about Rebel Moon. We also talk about Starship Troopers, Pretty Things, True Detective Season 4, Saltburn, Jackass, and Queen Rocks, Montreal, in IMAX. All this and more, 90s. Jonathan Hickman run. Okay. Where they say the R it's word. Good. Which, I like that. Which, which they should not That's do. That's bad. They should not say the R word in 2009 or 2010. We know better. No, and no, it's just I like Hickman knows better. Yeah, and and the worst part is, like I said, the next month. Is, were they not? Were they not not knowing better for spice? Uh, like was it was it? Well, sometimes you can do something spicy and it's okay because you're being spicy. I mean, I guess no, maybe, it's but not when you're not when you're writing the careless. the first family of Marvel, right? Like if you're writing one of the yeah. like the, the edgy comics or whatever, maybe you can throw it in there to to, to yeah. hurry. And it's Deadpool making a point, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's it. But you're supposed to be the like you're the first family of Marvel. It's the the Richards. Anyway, uh, so it's like a, it's, it's a whirlwind ride. Johnny Storm dies for about a year or so, or presumed to be dead because he gets like trapped. Uh, the last anyone sees him is he gets trapped in the negative zone. And he's being swarmed by negative insects, and and while Ben Grimm is trapped in his one week a year of human form and all sad, and he you know reverts back to the thing as like the blast doors close and he's all sad and whatever else. So like Ben Grimm then goes on like this like one year of being a big mopey emo situation over all the different comics that are going on in marvel <clears throat> and then johnny storm comes back because mm-hmm. marvel characters don't go and he's fighting some robots or something and it's one of the best setups to a to a ben grim line ever where like one of the robots is just sort of like like requesting updated temporal something or other like requesting updated temporal strata or some some nonsense some bogus line he's like is that robot for what time is it? <laughs> and then turn the page and it's clobbering time. <laughs> and, you know, it's great. It's, it's like the thing, thing returning to form after like a year and a half of being an emo in comic, comicdom. He like screws off from the team and everything. But I was just like, it's great. He's, he's like, I don't know what any of that means, but is that robot for what time is it? <laughs> and I was like, oh, Ben. And then he's like, boom, it's fun. Comic books. All like, the fun in the world. You can tell that of all the characters, that the thing was the one that spent time as a professional wrestler. Yeah. Like he sets up his catchphrases. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's like basically like him going to the crowd. Oh, do you think all of this matters? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's, it's perfect. I also love like a lot of like, and he's hanging out with like Franklin and uh, like Franklin and Leech and stuff like that, and they're like testing out catchphrases and and like. And Leech just has none because he just like, repeats one word usually. They're like, I don't know if that's a catchphrase. In one of the in one of the weird like parallel in the, the Franklin pocket dimensions where they like they they're sort of like misremembering what's going on and they like uh, Leech and Franklin kidnap Doom and he's like why and he's like why do you question Doom but why why do you, I, you do not question but why and Franklin's like he can do this all day. <laughs> it's great. Artie is a character who I'm also surprised doesn't have a card. Actually, the whole Future Foundation. They put in Leech, but nobody else. All, all, all the exterminators. Yeah, it's weird. There's, there's Leech, but there's no Artie. There's no Boom Boom. There's no Richter. Yeah. Yeah. Deep, deep comic cuts. Weirdness of Marvel Snap. And there's I like... I mean, Hellcow's got a cow- card. Just... 
Yeah, hell, like, hell cow and hit monkey. Whenever you think of, well, hit monkey has a TV show. I guess Howard the Duck, but I mean, he's been in movies. I guess so. Now he's now yeah. he's famous. How like cow. largely the worst movie? No, false. Guardians of the Galaxy, largely the best movie. He has his own movie, which is very bad. Yes, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but like yes. he and he has and like he's he, he has... a star. Yeah, that's it. He's got he's got time now in uh, in the What If universe too. Mm-hmm. So on the What If show, he's like a he's like a main character in one of the episodes. You you're watching What If, Scott? I just watched the Iron Man Grandmaster one. So good. It's... Jeff Goldblum is getting weirder as he gets older, and I'm here for it. It's so great. <laughs> he 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 reprises his role as Grandmaster John Don from uh, Thor Ragnarok. It's basically the entire the episode is what if Thor Ragnarok happened, uh, but instead of like Thor getting sucked over to Sakar, or I get on guess instead of Banner getting sucked over to Sakar, it's Iron Man, and then instead of gladiatorial combat, it's it's Death Race. Cool. Yeah, hundred percent. I was like, this is the perfect perfect use. Of Why the, not? Perfect use of the what if premise. Just like, just and then and Gamora's around too because she's cool. Like that's. <laughs> For no reason. <clears throat> Korg is there. Taika Waititi also delivering great lines. Oh, my God. I, I he made me had... a paperweight. Do you know Easy. what it means to me? Having to yeah. sit on paper? My nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Also, yeah, the... <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is like the like even weirder than as Grandmaster than he is in the film. It's it's great where he's when he gets hit with the melting stick and he's like I'm melting. Oh, oh that's nice. I don't hate this as he's like slowly like I'm liquefying and it's invigorating as he's like slowly like turning to a puddle when he's in when he's in the death race in his little you know grandmaster car and there's like the big gold statue of him as he drives by he like points and winks at it and like the statue points and winks back and he's like that's a good looking statue drives past <laughs> i was like i feel that you, they i would like to believe that they just gave jeff, jeff goldblum like the outline of a script and he's like here i go I'm just gonna jeff goldblum all over these lines and they're like <laughs> that would be very good sir if you if you were to just do that uh, it's anyway, my yeah. birthday. I'm 21. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> We're here for a celebration. What? It's my birthday. I know I don't look a day over 18 or whatever it is. <laughs> well, this is the worst birthday party ever. <laughs> Immediately mad. Good. Yeah, uh, so far, What If is fun. I like it. There's apparently a 1602 episode also somewhere in the season. I saw it coming. Which exactly is like it's it's fine. Give me give me all that crap. It's this is what what if is for. It doesn't need to always be dark and depressing. Yeah. Although there is one where uh, Happy Hogan saves Christmas, and I was like, this is too feel goody. Like it was until right at the end when he's like, man, this was a real diehard moment. I'm like, yep. He saw diehard. Yeah, I heard exists in that universe. Yeah, of course. Well, they yeah the whole there's multiple the whole, the whole episode is exactly. Yeah, it's just just when the characters recognize. Yeah, that was like Die Hard. It's like, oh, yep. Also, Happy Hogan so gets, hit with, get, gets hit with 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 Hulk serum, and I was like, will they? And then what's his name? Uh, Hammer is just sort of like, okay, there, Hulk Hogan. And I was like, someone said it. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they have to. They have to say it. Somebody has to call out the fact that Happy Hogan got hit with Hulk Hogan. With, with Hogan. With Hulk series. Just, Justin Hammer just recounts his entire life story as to why he hates Christmas. And it's just a Christmas story. Mm-hmm. That's a movie. <laughs> that didn't happen to you. Yeah, it? he's just sort of like, you know why I hate Christmas? I wanted the the, the ruby red, red whatever. Rider. Yeah, the red rider. Red rider shot. BB gun. The red rider BB gun or whatever. My tongue got stuck to a pole and like going on and on. And he's like in a hostage situation. One of the hostages is like, isn't that just the Christmas story? He's like, whatever, shut up. <laughs> You're a hostage. I hate this. Uh, yeah, so far, like, yes. I watched, like I said, I think the first four, first four or five. And uh, I would say better than season one. And I like season one a lot. Like I'm, I'm, gener- I'm generally here for what ifs in comic form. And... Mm-hmm. It seems to be the only place that the MCU is still having fun is that show right now. Yep. So, anyway. 
what else is up? Was there news that this was uh, a slow, slow couple weeks for me? I don't know. Is there anything, anything burning, burning, burning news that I've missed? That you've missed? Aliens. Well, well, that's <laughs> John. <laughs> Aliens, guys. <laughs> Did we, you uh, we, did you we, not hear this? Uh, the the fact that they cast the new aliens film, I saw that. No, not oh. that. Real aliens. Oh, real aliens. Okay. The internet is a buzz that the James Webb, the internet, the dark corners of the internet is a buzz with the James Webb Space Telescope having caught phos gene or something like that in orbit around a star, a water planet. Okay. On a star sixteen light years away. And it's, I, I might be wrong about phosgene, it might be some other, some other thing, but it's like some, some molecule that is only as far as we understand created by life processes. Mm-hmm. And the, and James Webb space telescope is like good enough to be pretty certain that that stuff is actually there. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the, it's one of the things where they want to, you know, double, triple, quadruple check before they, before they announce. And so there's like, People keep like getting mega excited about it wherever they are behind the scenes at NASA, and then leaks get out. Mm-hmm. But supposedly, I mean, but the other thing is that it's like it's it, it could be a byproduct of single cell life, so it's not it's not like it still would be exciting it's though. It's never aliens, but it's, yeah, it still would be exciting to have for sure. There's there's life around another planet. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like, like even if there's algae and stuff, that's still life on another planet, right? It's yeah, like it's, it's yeah, sure. low low key, like. I, I'm of the opposite mind. I say leave that alone and don't point the telescope there anymore. Let's, let's not look at the neighbors. I don't care what they're doing or how they're getting down. Well, no. Well, I mean, it's, it's that whole thing, right, of what Reed Richards says when he, like, dissolves whatever the heck was his previous council and starts the Future Foundation. Where mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, we shouldn't be, like, you know, like naysayers and... and doomsayers and all that stuff is like we should he's like if you look at the technological progress curve slowing down in terms of like space travel and stuff he's like we should already have colonies on other planets and if you think of it that way but what it'll end up being is I mean, the, we should the have representational billionaires. yeah exactly <laughs> let's let's go f- figure out some stuff we need slow to down here. charlie <laughs> we have business here we, we have Donald Trump running for a second term and we're like, yeah, let's make contact. Like, do you really, do you really want to? It's not going to be us. It's going to be like billionaires talking to them. And those people are assholes. I don't <laughs> want any of that. First, first contact is not going to be with Zephram Cochran. It's going to be with Jeff, Jeff Bezos. Right? <laughs> Damn it. I wanted to be the guy from Babe. Uh, what, this, yeah, I was talking to my American friend yesterday, friend of the show, Sam, uh, and she mm-hmm. was just talking, like, she read, like, an interesting article about just, like, why Trump can, like, marks the end of democracy as we know it, and it was, like, kind of, like, written, like, nonpartisan. Like, there was, like, here's all of the ways he's, like, flaunting his insanity and, like, denying you know not going to any of the debates like like, Mm -hmm. and still sort of like winning all of this so he's like like spitting in the face of the republican process even and it's just like it was not it had nothing to do with his politics or his practices they were just like so if he can run for president and like it's like there there's no standard to which like a person running for president is held accountable for his actions period we have to not be mad at trump oh no it's not his fault it's not he's like in a sense like he, there could be worse people out there who would take advantage of this. Yeah, and that, that was like large, and large. We have to be angry at the Republicans because they get to choose who is their representative. Yeah, and lawmakers that are allowing him to be on ballots and so on. like it's right. like that's what they say. It's right. like the end of democracy. It's not like he's just a, a byproduct of it. Of you're just saying yes. if, you, if you are popular enough, the system will collapse to prop you up. And, and remember, the Democrats played ball with Trump because they thought he would be no. There would be no way that he would beat Clinton, mm-hmm. and so they they like low key let him get passes early on in the process. Mm-hmm. And now, and now We're he's now he's culpable. not barely participating in the process and still a front runner. What? Well, that one I, I find they still the, the Republicans still have to be allowing him to. to Absolutely, to play. they they allow you know, him to appear yeah. on on ballots. 
despite not, yeah. like I said, participating in the debates, not participating in, like they, they were like the Republican nomination debates. They they went through the song and dance routine of it for months now, whitt- like like whittling it down to just a handful of like prospects. He was at zero. He went to none of them, and is still winning in all the polls. So yeah. like what? And, like, and if I'm a Republican, I'm saying. Wait. Like not not to say well then why do we even have these debates why are we wasting money on it if if Trump's our guy like why are you now in addition to weirdly pushing this guy down my throat why are you spending money pretending anything otherwise why don't we just say Trump's the guy and save all of this song and dance routine it's bonkers anyway I don't know man I, like I would you take Trump over like a Rumsfeld or a like a real Darth motherfucking Vader I mean like you could argue you could argue yeah. that like a, a Trump presidency is probably like less damaging than if Mitch McConnell was president right like you you can probably like, make that argument <laughs> yeah exactly I think, like, I think for the first one you can but I think 30 or 40 years from now when people have learned that the cult of personality is more important than any sense of like smarts or wit or cunning. That's and, I thought that we That's learned that with Reagan, thing. right? I thought that we, they were supposed to have learned that with Reagan. And they were like, oh, wait, whoops, an actor shouldn't be president. And he just like bends over backwards for all the lobbyists and just does whatever they tell him to. Yeah, but we didn't. But no one learned that. He won, he won back-to-back elections generation. and then got his vice president yeah. elected. I know, I'm aware of that, but then like his historical like historical analysis of his presidency showed us, oh yeah, he just did whatever he was told. And it was the start of the decline, right? Yeah. Like like really, really acceleration of the, the, the start. Yeah, of the exactly. Decline. And I think that that was when they were just when they decided to Scott's point that you just need you need a, a nice face who does good speeches and you don't actually need any like substance or, or intelligence. Sure, you want to Speaking of lack oh. Of substance and intelligence. Uh-huh. I want to get literary for a moment here, guys. We are all a little bit enjoying of the literary traditions. We're familiar with the notion of a hero. Mm-hmm. Right? A hero's journey. Exercise your virtues. Be the be the protagonist of a story. Overcome adversity. Blah, blah, blah. We're familiar with films and the auteur theory, right? So film is, was for a long time thought to be so collaborative a work that only – like no one person would, would – you know, dominate the production of something. But auteur theory says that there are directors who do, and no matter what that they produce, um, they, you know, their films always carry a bunch of their trademarks and they're always recognizable. Um, Quentin Tarantino's, your George Miller's, your, those guys. Sure. It's a lot narrower of a a, a thing than you'd think. Like you could think, you could say Scorsese, is he an auteur? There are certainly thematic elements that he returns to over and over again, but his like scope is so wide Mm -hmm. and his, like when he does a period piece, it's a fucking period piece. You know, it's done with a, a degree of quality that you expect from him, but you don't necessarily get uh, visual or storytelling or thematic elements that I think that you might. I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say this because I don't know this offhand, but I feel that there's like film people like who, who name like certain like, oh, that's a Scorsese shot. And like that can appear in From Gangs of New yep. York to Shutter Island to The Irishman. So he's like, I, I, I agree with you. Like he's not going to, not everything's going to look like Goodfellas or whatever, but like he still has certain maybe like visual cues that if you're like a real Scorsese he, he's fan. He's in a zone that you could maybe argue either way. Yeah, you, you might, might need to be like a bit more of a filmophile to, yeah. to to pick it out. Not like whereas I feel yeah. like a, a ha- oh, like a, a casual viewer knows a Tarantino film in the first five seconds. Whereas I feel Scorsese yeah. might might take a little bit more zeroing in on. Okay, and we're also familiar with the notion of the anti-hero, mm-hmm. right? So Wolverine. if you're going very, mm-hmm. very, very specific, okay, into what an anti-hero is, they fulfill the role of the hero, overcoming adversity and being kind of like the protagonist of the story, but they display elements of the dark triad. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the dark triad of character elements are? Refresh my memory. Narcissism. Mm-hmm. We're very familiar. There's three of us here. So narcissism, Machiavellianism, and psychopathy. Mm-hmm. Okay, one, two, three here. I think it might be part of the magic of our podcast <laughs> if I had to. But oh, no. the, <laughs> the, the, the so the antihero possesses usually non non virtues or specifically the dark triad of psychopathy, <laughs> and and yet they occupy the role of the hero. Okay, so I would like to propose, I would like to propose our pal um, 
I did, in fact, watch Rebel Moon. And <laughs> oh, I boy. think it might be fun. <laughs> it might be fun to explore the notion of the anti-auteur as the auteur who possesses elements of a dark triad of of, of directorial. So your 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 proposition is Zack Snyder is. The anti-hero the, the, auteur of cinema. The anti-auteur. I don't know if he's the first. That's, that might be a tall order. But if we were to Uwe to Boll, choose... sir. Uwe Boll will have a word with you. <laughs> I know. There's, Ooh, there's, there's I don't know about that. I feel like Uwe, Uwe Boll is, is just working. I don't know, man. I feel like you, he's you, just you, working. You can see his yeah. stuff coming from a mile away, and you're like, that's an Uwe Boll wait, film. You can wait, just see it from he, the post. Does he have... Does he have thematic or like like directorial style or or like thematic elements that link film after film after film? Because Zach most certainly does. He has a style that is very much the Snyder style. Yeah, for sure. I'd have to watch and more I would, of those Uwe Boll movies, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Why would you <laughs> just, just just don't? <laughs> but I feel like Uwe Boll is is really just working. He's like, I'm gonna have a little bit of fun. I'm gonna make a movie for not a lot of money, but it's going to make a little bit of money and move on to and the that next that will be one. enough to exploit this seriously. German film financing loophole. Huzzah! And then, and then troll a bunch of internet nerds looking for a free press. Mm-hmm. Well, I you mean, know, that's, that's yeah, but he, like sometimes people who are cooks cook hot dogs, right? Like, doesn't mean that he's a bad cook. He's just making hot dogs. He's not trying well, to I make... Duck confit and ending up with hot dogs. He he knows what he's cooking. That that's why I think this is interesting because the antihero still fulfills the role of the hero. He just just he rather than doing it and succeeding by by his virtues, he succeeds by his his psychopathy, his Machiavellianism, or his narcissism. <laughs> and so, I do think we could pick out some some like negative virtues for for Zack Snyder and Rebel Moon because oh yeah yeah I, like. <laughs> I'm, I'm agreeing know, I, with I you. There, there was like some. I was, I was like on board right at the start. The first scene, I was like, "All right, there, you know, she, she's not going to be the like, the useless goat herder from from the middle of nowhere. She has a different backstory than Luke. She's obviously fulfilling the same kind of role. Okay, you know, the villain shows up. He's a little boilerplate. I think you, you claiming that he was like the Hans, uh, Landa, Hans Landa, uh, that he was doing that Patrick's. scene. The, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, that it was that. It like okay, it like it was like a little bit in that zone. It, yeah, and, I mean, and it's, like, it's it's you know, it's, it's very much it's the it's it's the point that like the scene drags and it's and where and again, like I said, like to 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 maybe the anti auteur or whatever, like the auteur being Tarantino is like you know he's a Nazi in that one, and you know that he's coming with it like cynical. The like the anti auteur being Zack Snyder is like. There's a part of that scene that is trying to like trick you, where but you're like he's obviously the villain, and why are you dragging this out? Like this isn't, you know, like like he's. I I I don't think he was, and I and and it played out differently because the farmers like kind of like went against each other, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then the guy capitalized on that. And I guess that's the so, difference: is oh, the farmers think he might be legit, whereas nobody nobody in the the house in Inglorious Bastards thinks that this guy's about to let them off the hook. Sure, sure, sure. But she doesn't, right? She thinks that she knows for sure the guy is, is pure evil. Yeah. And and he's just being nice and the naive farmers like kind of fall for his shit. Yeah. Whereas I don't think the I don't think the guy in uh, Inglorious Bastards fell for the shit at all. He knew he was fucked the moment Hans Lando walked yeah, in the yeah, door. Yeah, and yeah. it was like all of all of them knowing, but none of them saying it. And that's that's the Tarantino magic. Yeah. Right. So that scene, even that one, I would have given him a pass for. I think you I think I think he could have picked it up after there. The the next scene, they have like some disagreements about what to do, and then it's the soldiers being assholes, and then the chick walks it's in. It's the and soldiers she, like, being assholes to Jimmy the robot. <laughs> Who fucking it was? It's but what did Jimmy the robot do? <laughs> like he's whatever. They're all hey, even the farmers are scared of him. <laughs> yeah, but you're like okay, so like I, I get that. it. There are these murder robots who who stopped being murder robots because the king died and they have no one to serve. But it's still just sort of like oh man, HQ sent a blender. Fuck this blender and throw it on the floor. And you're like why? Why do you like he's he's just carrying boxes? Like why do you need to be such over the top shitheads? You're like oh man headquarters sent us a tank stupid tanks throw it in the river like 
Who cares? Okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. They're, they're, they're petty, stupid soldiers. And in that scene, they maybe had more personality than stormtroopers did. Like part of the stormtrooper deal was they're just like faceless goons. That's fair. And okay, I'm bored of faceless goons unless they're being done. There's something really clever or smart or whatever happening mm-hmm. with them. I'm sure I'm sure they could work, but it's okay to do something different. And this would have been a story where maybe your your like bad guys could have played had character, you know, in a way that stormtroopers never could have. Mm-hmm. It could something could have come out of that. All right, he's trying to do something baby. different. He's got it. He's got it. It's coming for you. The next. The next scene, they're going to rape the girl, huh? and then what's her face? Cora shows up, and Cora just like ninja kick, fucking beats up. And, and it looks cool as hell, even though it doesn't make a ton of sense. Looks it looks cool as hell because cool it's Zack Snyder. The whole thing, spinny, fucking slow mo, whoop whoop whoop. And from that moment, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm out. I'm, I'm this is boring as mm-hmm. shit." And it just and, and it never picked up after that. It was just like boring as shit, repetitive boilerplate fucking but but all done with this like glossy budget sheen yep yep, 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 yep. it's it's like i said it, it's if it if it was it has to go one way or the other it has to lean more into parody if it is a parody and i don't think it does i don't think it and was. I, I, wanted, I wanted it so much to be <laughs> exactly or really or he just needs to like crank it to 11 and become the robert rodriguez of sci-fi epics like if it, if it's bonkers over the top like bonkers over the top like to the yeah. and it was not that it was it was like exactly by the numbers repeating well-worn territory yeah exactly like it, it's you know? it's if, if it's like complete insanity and like 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 i to to i guess potentially i and i thought of another anti-auteur michael bay yeah. okay because you can immediately tell that you're watching a michael bay film immediately as soon as there's an action sequence you're like Oh, I'm watching Michael Bay, and what's well, what, Zack Snyder for sure too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Things are blowing up in the Bay. Yeah, <clears throat> but that's yeah, it. Like, he does, he doesn't go no, as no, hard no. as Bay. And I was like, "You're Zack Snyder, baby. You gotta like go harder than Michael Bay." And it, this has to be complete bonkers mm-hmm. insanity. Like, I'm gonna, if, I'm gonna actually step up here and defend Michael Bay, who has made man. some of my least favorite movies of all time. In the three-hour Bad Boys Two didn't cut it for you. Oh boy! But, but, but he Bad also 3. made The Rock. But he also made The Rock, and he also made Con he Air. Made the fucking Rock. Mm-hmm. And yep, those those two movies have real kick-ass moments of auteurism. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like you it's I, just, I, like he can again. He can direct an action scene like nobody's business. And I'm saying that if Zack Snyder wants to be taken for like like I said, cranked up, has to like he needs to get at least cage. has to meet meet Bay or pass Bay. Like, in terms of, like I said, if it's balls-to-the-walls insanity every single action sequence, but instead it's a prolonged getting the crew together and then curse your sudden and inevitable betrayal. Like, it was so tedious. It was every, so tedious. All of the scenes, okay, now this character is going to pop out with her laser swords and spinny, spin, spin. You're allowed to use laser swords. It's fine. It's not like Star Wars has a lock on nope. that concept. But just, just do anything different with them, anything interesting. Yep. You know? Also, and, also and it, they murdered a lot of people. As heroes, that were yeah. not bad. Whether uh, even it's the, the spider, the spider is sympathetic. Like, yes, she does totally. seem to be like she's about to kill some children. <laughs> she's just ugly, but like she seems to be like a sympathetic character who's like who she's been as screwed over by the Imperium as anybody else has. And they're like, oh, we're gonna cut you to ribbons. Neat. Yeah, not like defeat her and like make her part of the team. No, we're gonna like, slice her to bits. And also the weird, the as we talked about last episode, like, hey, if you can train my, my hippogriff, you get to go. Well, you did it. Thanks for that. <laughs> now you're getting eaten. I was like, now this guy played, played by the rules. Like, yeah. Yeah, he didn't. He, he was okay. He did what he said he was going to do. Like, this guy owed you apparently an unrepayable amount of money. So, yes, you ended up a slave to him. It's a space society. Slavery is bad, sure. But, like, whatever. It's an indentured servant by any other thing. Like, that, he owes that the guy you agreed so to. much money. The guy's like, he owns me because I owe him so much money. What can you do? And then he gives you, yeah, it's a bit of a long shot. Train my little hippogriff. And then he does it. Then he eats it. And they're like, good girl. And this guy's so wrong. That guy didn't do anything wrong, but the hippogriff also got kind of screwed. They left him there. Yeah, exactly. We're going to leave you trapped on this planet. You are like me. 
far away from your home or whatever. But anyway, see you later. We can't. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I thought, oh, shit, they're going to put him in the the cargo hold and they're going to have a hippogriff friend. (laughs) It's going to become their, like, their their, their ace in the hole. Now we're just leaving him also. Yeah. No. Just wild decisions. The grim edge is so forced in scene after scene after scene. This, you know, this, you just you just listen up. When I cap when I capture a criminal, I have a weird special rolly thing that clamps around them and has a special little thing that I lock into the back and it shoots. I can't shoot them. I can't just shoot them. I have special devices. Apparently, a bunch of them. Like I, I and again in my in my. Uh, desire to make it kind of interesting i thought i was like oh this is like this guy's trademark this is like a weird unique machine that he has because he's a little oh no there's 10 there's 10 of those machines this is standard imperium issue like i thought it was like what's his name atticus dark noble atticus noble (laughs) atticus noble i thought i was like oh this is like a custom a custom prisoner thing that he has no this is just standard this is how we capture prisoners this convoluted stupid thing but the first it's such a, the it's, first act already yeah. shows that he likes to kill people with sticks yeah <laughs> if, if that special weapon is a little shillelagh or whatever it's a, it's a little shillelagh but like, even, for, for, let's let's remove all of those like weird bondage murder handcuffs and just mm-hmm. have the the guy that he captures be like i'm a, i want the information or you're gonna die he gives him the information the guy shows up just in handcuffs and he's like okay here's the information the guy should just kill him with his stick again. That's mm-hmm. the thing. They've established mm-hmm. that. That's how he kills people. He hits you on the stick. Nope. No, I, have a, my, I have a special little I have another. Thing. I have another murder weapon. That's real convoluted and has a special... <laughs> also, And can also, as a fail flaw, be kind of used as a point-blank weapon. Why did we give it to one of the heroes? No, you do it. Oh, no. You pointed it at my face and now I'm dead. So the, the characters were were so uh, invincible. <laughs> there is no hope at any dramatic tension in any of the action. I don't understand why someone hasn't sat down and explained to him that when your characters are in every moment turbo invincible badasses, like there's no. It's just like who cares? Okay, they're going to punch whatever comes, and that's the end it, of the movie. It really feels and then that was it. like us playing D anD. <laughs> <laughs> just steamrolling just over every steamrolling every encounter that the DM throws at us for no reason, with no downtime though. D and D even yeah. has downtime. Yep, yeah. get, you get to breathe a little bit, and there was no, there was none of that in this. You, you did, there was one of the characters. I'm pretty sure they didn't even invite her to join the team. Yeah, it's the, they the just laser, showed up laser and swords. beat up some, laser sword girl. They show up and beat up some stuff with her, and then she, she and then she's on the ship in the background. Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, whatever. She's got a cool hat. I'm so bummed. I really, I really wanted to like edgily like this movie, and uh, I was, I couldn't even pay attention. I mean, you have another chance in a in a couple weeks. The the Snyder oh, Cut yeah. comes out. Uh, do I have to? <laughs> and we'll get to find out what happens hey, to hey. Jimmy. He's gonna he's gonna have sex with that alien thing, like in that uh, the alien sex book everybody read. Oh, um, Legend the, of the, the Tentacles. The Tentacles. No, that was a, that was an anime. Yeah, but I mean, but still, I don't, I don't remember what it was called. But also, Lilith's Brood. You guys read about or hear about that? No. It was no. pretty good. It was like uh, these aliens show up while human humanity is busy extincting themselves over uh, wars and uh, climate apocalypse. Mm-hmm. The aliens kidnap all the humans and the, the, the remaining living ones, and they start bioengineering the planet to survive. And while the humans are on the ship, they start like waking them up and be like, "Hey, you guys are on an alien ship. Get ready for this." And the way the alien species propagates is by inserting its DNA into other alien, like alien to them, us in this case, uh, DNA chains. So like they, they merge with other species and then they, they leave the species on their planet and they float off to the next one. Uh, but there's a lot of like alien sex that involves tentacles wrapped around people's necks, Yucky. like edgy. The guy, I, I swear, the, the scene where he's getting a, he's getting his rocks off with the tentacles around his neck, mm-hmm. it, it, it was like exactly as written in Lilith's Burden. Huh? Thing like that. Yeah. Oh man, that, yeah. that also brought in my mind a scene where they just shoot his brain or whatever over to the Grand Emperor, just smashes his stick mm-hmm. on the ice, and the ice breaks. <laughs> and I was like, well, what is happening? Who cares? Oh man, so stupid! All that money, all those actors, all that stuff, all the potential. And as Scott pointed out, 
That could be Cowboy Bebop Season 2. <laughs> could have been Cowboy Bebop. I don't know if we right. talked about this or not, but on the on the topic of aliens, uh, did you read that thing of like like Roger Ebert's review of Starship Troopers, where Roger Ebert apparently missed the point? Oh yeah, yep. they all did. Everybody missed the point. Yeah, it makes it all the more brilliant. It's so good, but like Roger Ebert's review of it just be, is like they were like. There's moments where like it like flashes towards parody, like where where maybe there's a salvageable movie, and I was like, so you noticed a little Over bit, a little bit of parody, and you're like one of the greatest film critics of our time, and you were like the moments of where it was like pe- like heading into parody and satire was like good, and I was like, and you didn't notice the whole damn thing was that. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you, Paul Verhoeven. We didn't. We never deserved you. Oh, never God. for a moment. It's, it's just. It's yeah. Reading the whole the whole Roger Ebert review. It's bonkers. I've read it too. It's sad. <laughs> it's did I, I think? I think he got Starship excited Troopers, about. Did you see or read the um the the fan theory? I don't know about a fan theory, but I, I think we did just lose Scott. Oh, sorry. Did you guys hear about the fan theory that it was all caused by Carmen? That it was all caused by Carmen. Explain how. I feel like right. I have seen this or read this. I, I was like on a, there was a certain point, I think it was the first year, year one of COVID where I went on like a Starship Troopers kick and so, like, like rewatched it and read a bunch of shit about it. Carmen becomes a, a pilot cadet, right? <clears throat> and the, um, uh, first officer comes in when on night shift to check up on her and he's like what are you doing you've changed all the coordinates and she's like i haven't changed them i've optimized them and then they, they flirt for a little bit and uh the ship ends up on a direct course with an asteroid because the gravity well just opens up and it takes out all of the communications on this um uh, battle cruiser that she's on and the fan theory is <clears throat> that this is the asteroid that crashed into South America that wouldn't have happened if, you know, this cadet hadn't screwed around with the computer-generated coordinates and wasn't the bugs, and they just used this as their great example as to, like, all oh, right, let's go exterminate these aliens now. They've, they've attacked us, rather than be like, uh, yeah, one of our pilots killed, you know, 16 million people. And let's overthrow the military government. Because they they wouldn't want to admit that a cadet crashed an asteroid into into South America. They were like, nah, man, it was the bugs. Let's kill all the bugs. Tracks. It like it, it tracks it, with it the tracks, themes of the it film. Tracks 100%. Yeah, it's like way on board with the themes of the film. I don't know if it if there's enough evidence to say that that's definitely what happened, but I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it too. I thought it was fun. Uh are you guys watching True Detective season four? Anyone? Nope. Nope. I, but I did watch oh. the new Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos Lanthimos, be- beloved director of um, uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Okay. And uh, The Lobster. You guys might have seen The Lobster? I saw The Lobster, yes. I enjoyed The Lobster. Yeah. Weird and awkward, huh? Yep. Colin Farrell. Okay, so check, check, check this out. Poor Things, okay. Oh, shit, yes. Incre- I do want to see this. This is Themistone. You, you really should. It was fucking amazing. It, it was, it was, it's like a little bit of a retelling of the Frankenstein story, mm-hmm. but with some really, really heavy twists and, and like kind of different themes. The, um, the Frankenstein character is played by Emma Stone, and the um, Dr. Frankenstein is played by Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. And rather than just being reassembled out of body parts... Emma Stone's character is so she's like a pregnant woman who kills herself. You don't see why, but she just kills herself at the start of the movie. Baxter or um, uh, the the doctor Godwin God Baxter finds her body and and says, you know, the woman. I can't I can't deny the woman's desire to leave this earth, and so I will not save her. But what I will do is save the life of the child by implanting the brain of the child into the body of the woman, and then allowing her to live out a life. Uh, you know, and, and explore the world and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so she's like a like a discordant Frankenstein child thing living in Emma Stone's body. And she kind of goes not on a, on a rampage uh, of, of violence, but a bit of a sexual rampage across Europe. Okay, um, exploring life and meeting humanity and that. growing up. It's it's, it's awful. <laughs> I was like fucking weird. Yeah, I was like, and, and she's supposed to be like six months old in brain time. 
Yeah, she gets she gets older and older, and uh, as she goes along, there's like it, like free will and the and the like exploration of identity and. Um, yeah, I, I can see I can see how the theme the works, but I feel that we are having a child have sex with people, at least a child's mind. Uh, yeah, she masturbates with an apple. That's how she she like first notices that sex is possible, mm-hmm. and then she immediately tries to 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 do the same to her nurse, who's like one of those stuck up crotchety old British nurses. Mm-hmm. Think you'll be happy if this happens. It's um, it's fucking weird, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't go places you're totally expecting. Like you think it's going to go one way, and then it goes the other way, and then you think it's going to go another way, and it goes the other way. Do you remember La Cité des Enfants Perdus? Yes, that yeah. is like a bit of a weird phantasmagoria. Mm-hmm. It's not quite that that way out there, but definitely the like the Europe that they travel across is almost barely steampunk, and it has just like bizarrely overcolored skies, and all of the boats are all belching green smoke everywhere. It's just this fucking weird. Emma Stone is amazing. She carries the whole the whole thing through. And Willem Dafoe is this like he's he's like you he could be pure villain as the as the Doctor Frankenstein, and instead he gets he's like he is a, an insane villain, but he also has layers of nuance and and sympathy that that you you grow almost to like him as the movie goes on. Is, has Emma Stone ever like missed dropped the ball? I don't know, man. I was, I was thinking about that. Oh, <laughs> I never saw Aloha. Aloha's bad. bad. That was the with the Bill Murray or whatever. That was everybody missing though, wasn't it? Yep. That was where they cast her as a Polynesian. Ugh. Oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah. I think the casting director's more fault here. Because mm-hmm. yeah, my like... word, super bad is her the number one movie she comes out with. <laughs> wow, funny. wow, wow. But yeah, super super bad. Uh... Zombieland. Hmm. Yeah, Zom- Zombieland. Easy A, she's like great in Easy A. Uh, that one there with Jonah Hill, the the Netflix show. Psycho. Oh my god, that was Psycho. so Mani- good. Maniac. Maniac, yeah. Yeah, Maniac, she's uh, good in it. Birdman? Birdman, she's good in it. Fucking splendid in Birdman. Movie 43, who could forget? <laughs> Me, I can forget it. <laughs> I try, I try. Uh, anyway, I, I highly recommend this. Scott, the, I think you had like a fondness for Frankenstein. If I remember correctly, I, I do, but like the actual novel, <clears throat> uh, I tried the lobster and it weirded me out so much. I just stopped it. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I, I talked to a bunch of people who said that about the, uh, about the lobster. Like Killing the lobster of a sacred a deer was fucking amazing. And it, but, but like in a Mandy kind of zone of being like unapproachably weird. And have either of you clearly... guys seen the unbearable weight of massive talent yet? No, no. just, the, just oh. the meme. Oh my God. You guys have to. I feel like the meme so was enough for me. No, there's, there's, it's, it's somehow still better, it's still better than the meme. Uh, but yeah, no, True Detective season four. Uh, I guess the big news. How do I? How how to say? I don't. I like. I was like when I watched the first episode. I think I was like the biggest mistake that it's making is calling itself True Detective. Like, it's it's shot a little too glossy. It doesn't have. Like, I realize that all three seasons of True Detective, regardless of whatever quality you like, have these, like, long scenes of, like, people kind of, like, talking and not really about the case, but just sort of, like, waxing philosophical in one way or another. And, it, like, it then Time informs... Time is a flat circle. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like, like, yes, famously out of the first one. But even at the second one, like, the long talks that, uh, what do you call it, Colin Farrell has with, like, Vince Vaughn or whatever at the back of the bar and all that. Like, like there's a lot of that stuff of, like, you're just, like... It's like this heavy, dense, get to know the real inner workings of these character mi- these minds. And this does not have any of that. And it's from two episodes in, and it's, I think, only six episodes long. So it'd be, like, wild for them to start to shove that in. And it looks a little too glossy is another thing. Like, True Detective always looks lived in. Like, all the sets and stuff. Like, this looks like a set. It looks like Fargo. Like, it, I mean, I know it takes place in, like, an Alaskan city, but, like, you know, like, how everything is just, like, is just so in, like, a Fargo set, and it's, like, it's clearly a set? Like, mm-hmm. like, like it, it's like Fargo, it's like, you're like, oh, this is a, this is a cozy little cottage that is designed to look like a cozy little cottage, and not necessarily look, like, outlandish or whatever, but you're like, no one's cottage looks like this, but it would in the show Fargo, you know? Like, anyway. Uh, so I, I have... 
like has which has nothing to do with performances nothing to do with the fact that it's it's women i just think that like i said i was like i feel it's missing the base a little bit by calling itself true detective uh however season two episode two doubles down on it has to be called true detective because they start to link it like directly to season one like like rust cole's mother is a character and i was like oh no now it has to be true detective and oh my goodness the spiral iconography is back and i was like does it have to be like it's it's weird it also seems to be like overtly supernatural which i kind of dislike because it's it is it or isn't it? That's the true detective question. Right? I mean, yes. Yeah, was it all in Rust's head? Who knows? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. That that. So are you disappointed now? Because you were, like, pumped on this last time. I episode. mean, I'm still going to watch it. Like, I, it, it, it's certainly watchable. I just, like I said, if it was just called, like, Night Country, I think I would be way more down. I'd be like, oh, it's a, it's a creepy supernatural, uh, like, detective story in Alaska during the 30 days of night. I just feel like the, the, the true detective moniker is I was like, true detective is a thing and it's a tone and the show is not doing that. So I don't know, but I mean, but now it has to be a true detective since they're like, they're linking it up with like, Oh yeah. That's the first thing for episode one. The first shot is like a weird, uh, like esoteric quote of some kind. And it's like attributed to an author, but like, it's not a real author. It's, uh, the author in the book, King in yellow. Huh. Like it's it's a quote from the fake author in the King of Yellow, the wrought by Roger E. Whatever the heck his name is, you know the guy. So yeah, but like it's it's like the the first like the title card presents it as though it's a quote by an author, and I was like I've never heard this quote before, and then I looked it up, and I'm like oh it's not an author, it's the fake author in King of Yellow. Wouldn't that make it a quote by um, Roger what Roger whatever is. his name is? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, it would be, but it's attributed to him because, and that's, and that's, I think, always kind of. I don't even know if the. Like, I'd have to rewatch season one. Like, does season one present the King in Yellow as like, as a book of like that drives you mad, or is it the book no, about the book? They they don't even. It's just like it's like vaguely. I don't even think they reference that there's a book, or they just like they might mention it offhand. It's just. It's just a place. Carcosa is just a place in the story. They don't even get into it. I think it was like disappointing, but also maybe that was like the correct level of like, Lovecraftian. Yeah, exactly. Know. But I feel that like Cain Yellow is like as a term is used in season one, other mm-hmm. than just Carcosa. Yeah. 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 They might say the King in Yellow, but I don't think that they say that it's a play. I don't think they say that it's Yeah, a exactly. That's it. So like it, yeah. it is it is possible that in like the true detective world the King in Yellow is not it's, a book about the King in Yellow. It might be the King in Yellow is a book that drives you right. mad, as or as like lore says it does. You know, it might not. It's actually been forever. Exist. It just sounds a lot like they're talking about Chupacabra. They're yeah. talking about the King in Yellow. It's just kind of some lore that they all kind of sort of know in the swamps. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's possible that in the True Detective universe, it's not a book written in the Lovecraftian style. It's like it's a book that drives you crazy and it's a person from Carcosa, whatever else. So anyhow, I don't know. It, it's the, this, the supernatural stuff being kind of in your face. Like there's quite, there's a, quite a few, like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get too, too spoilery in it because I'm sure maybe some of you are interested in watching it, but it's like, there, there's, there's enough, like, it's not like, is it supernatural? You're like, if this isn't supernatural, it's like, you're going to have to bend over backwards to explain to me how it's not, <laughs> you know, like, you have a, like you you've you've inserted a lot of legwork into yourself with only four episodes left to explain how this all of the stuff that you've thrown at the wall is not supernatural. There's that much of it. So which I said is is fine. It's just that that was never the thing in any of the any of the true detectives, right? So anyway. Mm. Jodie Foster's really good in it. Is she a lead? Yeah, she's the she's the, oh. the the crotchety cop from Alaska. Crazy. I also watched Saltburn. That was the thing I also wanted to watch. Is that like Brightburn? Is it more Zack Snyder? <laughs> uh, I mean, if if it, it's it's almost a, like what if Zack Snyder wanted to do like a Cruel Intention style situation of crazy rich kids being super weird <laughs> and kind of gross. I don't hate that. 
uh, yeah, it's with uh, Jacob uh, Jacob Alerty uh, and uh, that guy who plays Joker in the Batman for that one scene, Barry Cogan <clears throat> from the Eternals. From the Eternals, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, so it basically is like a guy, and I mean, it's it's a twist you see kind of coming from a mile away, like a guy who's kind of like a like a, a down, like a down and out guy who gets into like Oxford or whatever on a scholarship, uh, falls in with like the really really rich kids and then gets invited to like summer with them at their estate palatial estate called Saltburn, and then it's like how does he like sort of like manipulate and uh like social engineer himself into into like hanging with them when he doesn't have the same standing and then there's kind of a twist but like the the reason you watch it is because there's a scene where jacob ellardy uh jerks off in a bathroom and then barry cogan uh sniffs the 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 cummy bathtub drain and like slurps at it that's that's what you're there for. Yep, that's what you're there for. There's also when another yes. character when a character dies, uh, Barry Cogan uh, takes his pants off and uh, has sex with the fresh mud of the grave. So that's that's, that's what you're watching. That's why you're watching huh. Saltburn. <laughs> or, or not? Or not? Yeah. He, he the, at one point Barry Cogan uh, wipes the lady's period blood on her face, and it's a sexy thing. Yeah. So thanks for that, Keith. Okay. Anyway. Save me from that one. Don't watch it with your parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also shot in like four by three ratio, which is weird. I was like, what's Isn't this? that kind of intimate? I guess. I think it's that because it's supposed to take place in like 2001 or whatever. So they were like, let's shoot it on the aspect ratio of like a made for TV film or something. I don't know. Or I don't sure. know. Actually, no, it's 2007. I want to say because, uh, yeah, it's the, the music's good. 2001 didn't have great music. 2007 did. Okay. It's like just this and stuff, MGMT. It's great. Cool. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know what, like, this movie is having, like, a bit of, like, a meme moment. A lot of, like, a lot of TikTok stuff. Because, like, those those scenes that I just mentioned are usually what people are. There's a, you can go on Etsy right now and buy a, a Jacob Ellerty bathwater scented candle. What does that candle smell like? I don't want to know. I don't care to know. But it's like... You don't think that's guerrilla marketing? Oh, for sure it's it is. But, but that's what I'm saying. But but yeah. a, but a lot of people like it's for sure there's guerrilla marketing. But there's a lot of like fans or just like the whole like I don't want like it's a little bit like that thing that happened with Euphoria. It's like yeah, if you show something super crazy and it manages to like like a mat like and it manages to like break into the mainstream. Like obviously everybody on TikTok is going to start referencing it and like making their own like people are pretending to just have sex with a pile of pillows and stuff to be like it's like my brother's doing a salt burn or whatever and it's just like you know. It's like spinning out. This is what people do on TikTok now. This is what happens when you take uh, an entire generation and don't let them have any jackass to watch. (laughs) (laughs) I was... uh, What do you call it? Turbo House was... um, They're they're, they're starting like a weird like skate night or something. Like (laughs) Sergio was just like... He's like, yeah, I did. He's like, I've never done a kickflip, but like I owned a skateboard and I've seen CKY2K enough to think that it's Bjork's house is one of the funniest things in the English language. <laughs> when, when they're in Iceland, it's Bjork's house. Yeah, like I was like immediately just like laughing. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, freaking CKY! It's the stupidest. They're not like they're, they're, I. I haven't. Isn't I've never CKY two kind of the best jackass. No, 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 no. Like the, the the high points of CKY are like okay, but the low points are just like endlessly like people just like running down running and jumping into bushes a lot of that a lot of just like throwing their skateboard like when when they hit they're like their home runs but they're just like they don't know what they're doing a lot of the times there's a lot more genuine skateboarding which is actually like some of the skateboarding is pretty good but a lot of the stunts are like just like nothing like when they're in iceland and they're just like running and like jumping on cars and trying to like make actual people angry at them i'm like this is not a a good bit like you're just not great maybe also shitting in the toilet to Bjork. Yeah. But like, yeah. yeah, and like I said, there's stuff there is stuff there that's funny. And I think that because it was like first, like in a world of just watching skate videos, they're like, oh I'm watching a skate video that they're also like hilarious shenanigans. And and 
CKY was good music at the time. <laughs> like the videos had cool, cool tracks. But like Jackass certainly elevated it. Like I think in a big way. It's been a while. I remember really liking those videos. Those videos are super fun. But the Jackass, like Jackass, the show, I would take probably over any CKY tape. And then the movies are just like lights out, obliterate any of the CKY films. Like I, excuse me, and I still John, haven't watched watch four the- yet. You guys still haven't watched 4 yet, I was going to say. Because I want to watch it as, like, a, I want to get, like, a group of people together. Because that's, like, the best way to watch Jackass is, like... Absolutely. With, with a crew. Yeah. You don't want to, like, sit there and watch Jackass alone. you just be, like, giggling. No one will even be throwing up next to you, Scott. Oh, man. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm the good person to watch that with, because I get the, the reactions from the gross stuff. You get queasy. Yeah. That one where they drank Preston's uh, sweatsuit. Yeah. Did Bam get back on Ugh. set in the end? No. It's awful. No. Because it's a bummer. No. You know, I miss them making him cry with a snake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not, he's not in... Actually, is he? Isn't he in 4? He's not in 4. He got paid for 4 and got thrown off set. Okay, because apparently there were stunts that he had done that they were like... they I, maybe they're, Maybe he's in like special features or whatever. I didn't like, watch the like DVD cut. Yeah, like, release the BAM footage or whatever. But, yeah, because he apparently, like, filmed the did stunts, and it was a question question going into release whether they were going to use his stuff or not. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I don't know. Is there a 4.5? Probably. I mean, there's there's been, like, 2.5 and 1.5 and 3.5. They they film so much. (laughs) Like, there's always, always always room for more stunts. There, there's yeah. a lot of four that's like, oh, Johnny, you're 50. <laughs> what are you doing? He, you know, he's in it for the love of the game, you know? it's That is very apparent. It's it's wild to me. Like, like he has enough clout that he could... He did real big boy movies, didn't he? He did a, he did a couple, and I feel that like he absolutely could make a career of being in like, B-movie stuff. Like, like no problem. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be, like, as maybe as making as much money as, as Jackass will make him. But, like, in terms of the risk-reward factor, like, he could just show up and be, like, snarky-ass Johnny Knoxville in a film for, like, a million dollars or whatever. <laughs> a couple Side hundred thousand. To, sidekick to every action movie of all time. He can be Yeah. There. Johnny Knoxville, who do you put him in the MCU? MCU? Yeah. Or how do we get Johnny Knoxville paid MCU money? Who do you cast him as? Uh, I take the Jackass crew and I put them in superior foes of Spider-Man. <laughs> Why? Because they're like the Jackass losers. It's like Shocker and Boomerang and they're, they're just you pathetic can, you can just put them. In, I, I mean, you could also just slot them all in as Reavers. That's true. No, but there's I something that... about the sinister foes of Spider-Man that that would fit them just right. Oh, oh no, no. Johnny Knoxville is Machine Man in Next Wave. Machine Man in Next Wave. You're going to need to give me more context of this. Have you not read Next Wave yet? I have so much. I'm, oh, I, boy. I read Next... so many comics a day. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Wait, I, I, as an aside, remember, John, when you were like, what is the danger of like re- reading so much of them? Are you even absorbing them? And because I'm bouncing around in the timeline, I was like, I... A, was not sure if Hala, the Kree homeworld, was destroyed. And then I was like, but I know it does get destroyed because I read that comic and I know what destroys it is fucking something. Fucking something destroys it. Something destroys the Kree homeworld. And then I had to like go back and check and be like, oh yeah, the Black Vortex. Like just, I read that like two weeks ago. And I'm just blasting through so much as I was like, I don't know when this happens in chronology. And I also forget how. I just remember it was like, some cosmic hokum. Hmm. And I mean, but you that's should, it. Like, you should read Next Wave if you can get your hands on it. It's Warren Ellis insanity. That's great. I will try to check it out. But Machine Man from Next Wave. It's 12, 12 issues and you're, you're good. I mean, I could see him also kind of doing, could probably do a fun, like, reboot of Arcade. <laughs> like, with, like the crazy, crazy laugh and a bit of a jackass. Yep. I could see that. That'd be pretty good. Um, 
Oof, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Yeah, think, think on this. Pray on it, Scott. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the wall, trying to figure out where he would go. Before we wrap this show up, I want to say uh, I went to. I did something magical on Friday, you guys. Oh. Was it drugs? Something magical and wonderful. Uh, no, but the people I was watching were definitely on drugs. Um, so back in 1981. Uh, Queen ended their world tour by playing two nights at the Montreal Forum. Uh, they recorded everything both on video and on audio, and they turned it into an album in 2007 called Queen Rocks Montreal. Uh, <laughs> and then this weekend, or this past weekend only, like June, January 18th to the 21st, uh, they released the edited together, like cut together footage on IMAX for three days only. Cool. So I went to go see that. And to make my experience extra special, I went to go see it at the AMC forum IMAX. So I was Uh. at the place (laughs) (laughs) that it actually was recorded. So, which was like kind of neat, you know, and obviously like it's, it's no longer the forum by any stretch, but you're like, I am still on like literally the, the same city block that this was recorded on 42 years earlier uh did, did you go into the basement because that's where i was for poor things yeah yeah, yeah it was yeah it was the in, in the vip area oh no did on the you, imax did, area so to the right is have VIP. You been in the vip seats i, 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 lo- I love the vip amazing i can't believe how good an experience it is it's, they're cozy and it's it's like nice chairs and, and you're spaced out food the food is good you have heated chairs you could kick up kick up the legs like a like a lazy boy yeah, we yeah, we basically almost only go to movies at VIP if we can. Obviously, yeah. obviously IMAX was you know a different story. But if there was IMAX VIP, I would have done it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it was super good. Like it was it was really cool. There's like all the because obviously there's a lot of like the banter and stuff kind of kept together. And like you know all the Queen songs, but like you don't never really necessarily listen to like Queen jamming and having like little like you know flourishes and stuff and like oh like let's just sit here and have watch like brian may make his guitar sound like literally like ufos and lasers which i'm sure like i've been trying to like put it i was like it he's approaching the sound that like made tom morello famous like good 15 16 years before morello started doing it in the mid 90s right like super cool like the roger taylor really long drum solo is like you you always like kind of get i think like mostly blown away by like Freddie on vocals and Brian May being a good guitarist, but you kind of forget that like Roger Taylor is an absolute like machine on drums, like all of them harmonizing. Like I said, all the little jam stuff and whatever. It was great. It was like, it was really, I, I don't think I would do it for like, Oh, go see like the Foo Fighters live on IMAX. But in like with that specific scenario of like, go watch a band who is no longer a band. And this is one of their like iconic, performances on imax the surround sound is like bonkers the screen is huge it was like the closest thing like it was almost a concert going experience like like you kind of you wanted to clap after every song kind of thing. how long was the uh was the whole uh an hour 35 or whatever okay. and and which was the length of their set and you just basically cut out the like six or seven minutes or whatever of the time where they were backstage in between the encore like i think the actual show ran like an hour 45 Right on. But there was like just, you know, it's just like it just goes to black. And <laughs> a couple things, several takeaways. One, like when people are just sort of like, ugh, like artists these days have like no shame and like boomers being like, oh my God, look at them like flaunting it. Like, first of all, Freddie Mercury, guys, <laughs> like for the encore, he comes out in like barefoot, the tiniest short shorts, a little neckerchief. And a Habs hat. Nothing else. <laughs> like, and he has this little, like, scepter microphone thing that he is using as a dick quite frequently. <laughs> like, and they're just like, oh, performers these days have no, like, self-worth. Like, I was like, how is, how is Miley Cyrus getting, like, slammed for wearing, like, skimpy stuff at the VMAs? Like, I was like, whatever, man. You're 40 years after Freddie. Like, you're, you, there is no difference <laughs> to the amount of, like, just overt like overt sexuality that freddie is just screwing around with and the tiny little habs hat we were just sort of like 
Sarah and I were joking. You can just be there like, oh, you know, it's kind of a thing that like sometimes like they throw on a jersey or whatever else. And like Freddie Mercury's being like, jersey? I'm going to be wearing these little shorts and nothing else. Hat. Perfection. <laughs> just like puts the little hat on. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. I will be barefoot in tiny short shorts. Also, and like you, you clearly see his package, and you also see like people kind of crowded around, like around the base of the stage or whatever else like that. And you see multiple people just like staring straight at his dick, like because he's just there, like dancing, like three feet away from them. And it's like Sarah's like, I'm, I don't blame them. It's the only thing I can look at right now. If it was like in my face, I'd be like, well, there it is. Uh, but yeah, super fun. I was uh, I would like would do again if they did like a like a Prince one or something or whatever. I'd be like, yeah, that that was close to. We went to go see the afternoon showing because like the seven and the nine o'clock were. I would be interested if the later showings actually had like maybe like a little more like applause and audience participation because we were with a lot of like older people and stuff. But like, but even then, people like applauded a couple of the songs and like were like woo after like some of the things because it was like so close to a live experience even though obviously 40 years earlier that i was like mm-hmm. i was like that would have been if, if people bought in a little bit more i think it would be like really fun but it was still really really fun to see and then and also like i said on a on a historical fun element of seeing it at the same place where it actually was recorded was kind of like just a neat like huh that's kind of fun cool cool I also recommend listening to Queen Rock Montreal as a as the album, so you can hear some of those because the, all that all the jam stuff and whatever is like is in there. So it's not just the it's not just the tracks because that was the thing that I thought was like most interesting because like I know you know the songs, right? Was that was that nine yet? Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 905.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.